0: Hi, I'm Adam Robert Lewis, and you're listening to Brewing Actors Podcast. My chance to talk to actors, to hear their stories, what inspired their performances, and what decisions or relationships influenced their work. On today's episode.
1: You see, I think that's where the Eisteddfod platform helped enormously, because one day... All the way back when you were five. Absolutely, when you were five. You know, you can go... And I went to my stavvod the length and breadth of Wales. My father didn't think twice about taking me anywhere to sing. And some, we, some adjudicators really liked my voice and gave me first prize. Others were not that keen, and I didn't win. You have to learn to take rejection.
0: My guest today is Philip Griffiths, a fellow Welshman who grew up in mid-Wales. Philip spent most of his youth in and out of localised stavvods, giving him a taste for life on the stage... Moving away from rural Wales, Philip trained in opera at Manchester University. He then joined his first opera company, Glyndebourne. Philip talks about his early career in opera and the crossroads which led him to musical theatre. I caught up with Philip at home in Lewis. This podcast is presented in two parts. So, like any story, we have to start at the very beginning. This is Episode 4, Part 1... Of Brewing Actors Podcast.
1: My name is Philip Griffiths. I was born at the Moat Farm in Caersws, of Drevaldwyn, and my mother and father were farmers.
0: Were the um, were your parents a big influence? to you at a young age in terms of going into this industry?
1: Not so much going into the industry. They were very encouraging about singing because being Welsh, everybody sings. Yeah. And from a very early age, I was encouraged to um, sing. My first Eisteddfod was in Llanunog, uh, in Cássus, the village of
0: Cássus, and I was five. Right. Did your parents compete in Eisteddfods when they were younger or...?
1: Well... My mother... Well, my mother and father loved going to our Not necessarily to compete. My mother used to sing in the in choirs. She right. belonged to two or three choirs. Um, but they never completed, competed solo stuff, no. Right. I, mean, I think my father would have liked to, but he hadn't got the nerve. Right. Um, but, I, yes, I started to sing when I was five. My first stethel was at five, singing a little hymn called um, A Little Pilgrim on Life's Way. And I forgot my words. Uh, and the adjudicator was a guy called William Guach, My Jones. From and he said, "Never mind, Philip. You sit down, and uh, we'll have another go." So I had to wait till everybody else had done it. By this time, I would heard everybody else singing it, so I got the words right, and I won the competition.
0: Were your parents in the audience? Oh yes, right.
1: well, My mother was sitting there on Tender hooks. because tender hooks, all we, the children, all had to come up and sit around the stage right. uh, and watching each other doing it. It was nerves.
0: I mean, when I think about it, it was quite nerve-wracking. Did you compete? Against kids in your school? Yes. Or was it people from all over?
1: Well, yes, children from school. But yes, they were coming from all over the place because that was the entertainment in those days. And we were talking right. about, I was five, so that was 1953. And was that a localised Edvard? Or yeah. was
0: it, because there's the nationalised Edward, Was that running at
1: at that time? Oh, yes, absolutely. But I, I only competed in the nationalised Edward once and I was so put off by it, I didn't bother again. Right.
0: So you won, so you were five. Yes, I was and one. And you won the Enaud uh, Kerdant. Yes. Right. Under five. Under five. With
1: a a silver cup, which I've got in the cupboard. Right. Um, Yes, so that was
0: that. Your mother and father, they ran a farm, Mm -hmm. or your father. Mm -hmm. So were they keen for you to take over the farm? Was that an option? That was the idea. That was the idea. But you see, the
1: only things I was interested in was music and horses. Right. And my father said, horses don't pay, and music, we know nothing about it at all. I mean, my father was asked after I'd gone into the business, what does Philip do for a living? Nobody understands that you actually can make a living from it.
0: Right. So all the local people in that village, I guess, none of them did performing arts or arts any related job. It was all agricultural.
1: Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a very rural part of Wales, Montgomeryshire. Um, I mean, there are there is industry there. I mean, there was a lot of industry at Newtown at one time, but of course a lot of it has gone. The the tanneries and things like that have gone. Um, but no, mainly farming.
0: Right. So when what was the step for you to go away and train? What was the... Did Have you got brothers and sisters? I've got one brother, but he's not at all interested in music at all. Right. Did he go to university? Was that even something you did then?
1: No. He, my brother... He, his intention was to go home to the farm to work with my father. But we had um, not... a Because ve- the farm was not ours. We, we were tenants. Um, and the landlord... When he heard that Tom, my brother, was going to come home to work with my father, he was going to put the rent up because he said, well, there's there's two people going to be making a living from this, which was ridiculous. So my father said, I'm not going to do that. So he sold up and he went as a farm manager for years, which was much better for him, actually. Um, But no, um, my brother didn't want to go into it if that was the case.
0: So you had the singing lessons. With the adjudicator, right? We Well, first. eventually, yes. Eventually.
1: I'd had other singing teachers. Um, a guy called Red Visser who was the head of singing at uh, Aberystwyth University. And he used to come to Newtown on a Saturday. Um, and I was chosen to have singing lessons with him. And he wanted me Did to Did you go. have to pay or was it... No, no, the education was all... That was all paid for by the council. By the local authority. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even when I went to Manchester, that was all paid by the local authority as well.
0: That would never happen now. No. Absolutely not. So you, so you were, you felt very supported from a young age in terms of singing lessons. Uh, one singing lesson a week. Oh no, two, two, at least two, Right. Yeah, at least two. And what were you covering? What was the sort of lessons like? Well, the idea going to Manchester was the place to go. Right. For and how, how did you become aware of Manchester?
1: Because this William Guarchmay was adjudicating in Slavakarian, as I said, and. A guy called Roydon Jones, who worked on the, our neighbour's farm, he was asked if he wanted to go to Manchester. Now, he was a lot older than me, and he went and came back to visit us and told us all about it, and I was absolutely fascinated. And he studied singing? Yes, yeah, studied singing. And he did a couple of professional jobs, but not very many. But he came back to tell us all about it, and I was absolutely fascinated. So we, my father and I came back from chapel one Sunday, and I asked him if he would ring Gwilym up to ask if he would come and hear me to see if I was good enough to go to Manchester. So we came over. My mother, oh, she made such a fuss about dinner that night and everything. It was ham salad and egg on the top and all that sort of thing. It was really, you know, putting the boat out. And anyway, he came and he played for me to sing. I sang Where I Walk by Handel. And he said, yes, yes, I think you should be all right. Mr Cox, Freddie Cox, who was the principal at the college, will have to hear you. But I was a lot younger than anybody else. I was only 17. He tried to put me off, but I wasn't having any of it.
0: I insisted It tried to put you off Saying saying wait,
1: wait a year Wait a couple of years You're only 17 You're a tenor What, for your voice to mature That's right And the tenor voice Is always the last to mature Right um, Because of the Well, the height of the notes And all that sort of stuff You know, the support You need to support the voice Anyway, I wasn't having any of it I went And um, William was my
0: Singing teacher there so you went to Manchester? Yeah, I went to Manchester. Didn't you think of maybe training locally, like the Royal Welsh College? Was that...?
1: Well, in those days... I mean, this is, uh, this is something that I have a bit of a bone about.
0: Um, I don't speak fluent Welsh. Right. Was Welsh something that was spoken in your in your house when you were younger? My father was first-language
1: Welsh. Right. My mother was Welsh-born, but was English-speaking. Although she understood it, and she sang in Welsh... But the part of where she came from, which was Abermule on the Montgomeryshire Shropshire border, and my father was from Cardiganshire, was all Welsh. So we had a mainly English in the house. Right, Welsh in school was a subject. We bo- right. You spoke English at school. Yes, absolutely. You didn't speak Welsh. No. We weren't tutored in Welsh, although there was a Welsh lesson, but we weren't tutored in it.
0: Were there Welsh schools? Because obviously I went to a a fluent Welsh school, so all the subjects were in Welsh, science, maths, everything. Were there schools like that in your area?
1: I think there were, but Clamacaranian was one place that I think was an all Welsh-speaking school. Um, But, of course, Newtown wasn't. There were so many English...
0: So um, you just went on what the influence of the house was. English was the language, so you never even thought about... Go into a a, a Welsh school. Although
1: I spoke more Welsh when I was at home because I was hearing it all the time. Of course. Because my father used to talk Welsh to his brothers and his cousins and his uncles and all the rest of it, all Welsh. It was only Welsh in the house because my mother couldn't converse properly. Um, but I wish in a way that I had kept it up, but you know, I moved away at seventeen mm. and haven't been back since.
0: So Royal the Royal Welsh at that time wasn't an option. It wasn't something you were aware of? Because I was now aware it's of quite it. prestigious yes, and you think
1: it wasn't in those days. Right. We're talking about nineteen sixty six here, when I went to Manchester. Manchester was the place to go. Now this William Gorchma used to adjudicate all over Wales. And when I got to Manchester there were several singers that had come from the Ice platform, platform, lot older, but they all were poached. come to Manchester by Gwilym
0: right so when you got to Manchester the local authority paid for you to go Mm -hmm. so how does that work do you have to apply is
1: yes my father had to do all sorts of figures you had to show the accounts of the farm and everything to show that you
0: couldn't afford to do it yourself right and would you have had you not had that grant from the local authority do you think you would have gone
1: I'd have found some way of going, yes. (laughs) I wasn't going to be put off. Right. Because, you know, I just wanted to do it. And, you know, you don't know what drives you sometimes. And I really don't know what drove me for this. To Manchester.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to go into this singing profession. So you left at uh, 16, 17 Mm -hmm. to go to Manchester. Mm -hmm. How long was the course at Manchester?
1: Well, I did four years. It was a performers and teachers course. It was a four-year course. I did an extra year Mm -hmm. because I was so young. And the, the Education Authority gave me this extra year to do.
0: What um, What type of things did they cover? So the usual acting? Well,
1: yeah, I mean, the, because you were, I was doing a teacher's course, I had to do all sorts of harmony and So was the teacher and, course
0: sort of an additional element that if you didn't work in the industry, you could maybe then go and teach. That's right. Is that the plan? Absolutely, <laughs> that was the plan,
1: exactly. I mean, I'd have been quite happy just doing the performers, right. but of course the Education Authority wanted me to do both, Right. so you have to go along with that, because actually at the end of the day, they're paying everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I How didn't... How your parents,
0: you know, when you said, I'm off to Manchester, were they, uh, they, were they intrigued? They were. I mean, you could you could almost feel that what? <laughs> I mean,
1: why? I mean, when we when we left, I hadn't got anywhere to live in Manchester. So my father went with Willem one day to Manchester to find me somewhere to stay, to live, in, to get digs. And we found a place in Didsbury. And I'd never, I'd never been out of Wales. And we were going down from the, the Chester dual carriageway into Manchester, and I thought we were on the motorway. And we were looking for Didsbury. We got totally lost. We ended up in Moss Side, which is a pretty, was a pretty rough area. And we stopped to ask this policeman where we were going. He said, do me a favour, don't stop again. Just keep going. Right. Because we must have looked like, you know, country hillbillies mm-hmm. coming from mid-Wales with my one suitcase, one overcoat going to this these digs in didsbury and i had to share with a chap called philip jones who was also another singer going to grill as well for singing lessons we'd never met and a room you know two single beds in it and that was it
0: so did you when you were growing up did you have any sort of an influence in your life in terms of like a well-known singer or somebody who had left your part of wales and become a success or, or made a career out of it
1: well yeah i mean people like Stuart burrows when i was a, a kid a man a, a youngster a teenager really he was very very famous and he came to newtown to do a concert the at the powys Saint stedford and uh, my father and i went to hear his concert and he forgot his words in the middle of the concert and i was competing the next day and I did exactly the same thing. The adjudicator said, don't worry, Philip. He said, somebody much more famous than you did exactly the same thing <laughs> last night. Don't you worry
0: about but it. But they run a Stuart Burroughs uh, competition still, don't they? Or I don't his know, name. actually. I think so. Or do they? I think there's a competition that runs maybe in South Wales. i right. of people applying.
1: Well, he was a wonderful singer. I mean, just beautiful. And of course, there's Ryland Davis. He was another famous singer. He went to Manchester as well. From, he was from Loughborough in Swansea. And he, I mean, a rugby player. But, you know, he was poached and went into the business and made a very famous name for himself. Yeah. And he teaches at the academy now. So
0: what was it like at Manchester in those years that you were there?
1: I loved it. I mean, it was just music all the time. and you what know. What
0: type of music was it? Was it opera?
1: All classical. Right. All classical. They tried to get me to do some musical theatre stuff, but of course, musical theatre, mm, if you were starting to do a bit of that, you weren't serious about it all. You mm. need to keep on this opera course, mate, because that's the serious stuff. That's what you're here for. And that's what I did. Um, and then... Of course, the opera companies used to come to Manchester, to the Royal College of Music, to audition us. We didn't have to go to them. They came to us because Manchester had such um, a name for itself. Mm. And, of course, my next part of my life happened there.
0: Were they... um Were you aware of the opera companies around the UK? Oh, yes. You were? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was a
1: student, I used to always go and see whatever opera company came to Manchester because the opera house in Manchester used to get all the big companies. Uh, The Welsh National used to come, English National Opera, Glyndebourne used to come there. They all came and we all went as students and stood at the back to witness these singers. And in fact, when... One of the operas that Glymour were doing, Ryland was supposed to be singing one of the lead roles, but for some reason or other, he wasn't going to be doing it. So they asked a, a, another Welsh singer, Kenneth Bowen, if he would step in. And I happened to go to this practice room that they were on because I knew they were there. And I, it was a round hole in the door. And I was looking through and Kenneth Bowen saw me and he said, come in, come in. So I went in and I was so privileged to actually go and watch... A professional company like Glambourne, in rehearsal, and of course
0: that whets my appetite even more. Mm. What was it? What was your year like? Because I think everybody that goes through drama school, you you audition, you get in, and then you're thrown into a room with twenty, thirty people. Um, how many were in your year? Uh,
1: singers, because we were all there. Was instrumentalists as well, obviously, but as the the singer group, there was probably only about fifteen of us. Right um and of course we had to do all sorts of education stuff speech lessons
0: did they give you any sort of guidance or hint that you would work cuz there's this is, you know you go to, you get into drama school or a or a college or uh and you know you hope to work mm-hmm. but there's very little i think in terms of going to a drama school where they give you advice or uh, any sort of instruction of how to go about getting a job mm, how to mm, how to work mm. it seems that manchester were a little bit more um on top of that game in terms of inviting the did they invite the casting directors or the casting department mm-hmm. of those companies yeah yeah in? absolutely yeah they used to come so they would watch your final
1: shows or no no they they just came and held auditions right i don't know whether they came to see performances if did they you did, do shows did you do fine i did nothing seriously I did absolutely nothing because I was so young that they, the other singers were so much older than me. They got all the
0: parts in the operas. I did absolutely nothing there. So, right. So in terms of they announce like an end of term opera or show, mm-hmm. and then they dish out the roles, mm-hmm. and you you didn't get a role. No. no. Did that? The only,
1: actually, was the that only, tough? The only thing I did and anybody listening to this that knows the opera there's an opera called Peter Grimes by Benjamin Britten and there's the the rector in it It it's a tiny tiny little part but um, I did that. That was the only part that I ever did. And we took it to Germany. We did it in Dortmund and um, Iserlohn. Is um, this
0: part still part of Manchester? Yeah, of,
1: this was college. This was college. And it was a guy called Colin Jones who conducted the Rosemail Voice Choir. He was there. And for some reason, or rather, he'd got contacts over in Germany. And they invited the college to go over. So that was the only bit of real experience I got.
0: So how did you feel when you... Were you just not get in college? Were you not getting the roles that you wanted to get, or cov- or have a? I wasn't crack ready. At to the r- you I wasn't, wasn't ready. ready. I wasn't ready because I know them. people who have sort of trained in opera and they are tra- they are in training for years, mm. seven, mm. eight years. Yeah, some, yeah. some people, yeah. based on sometimes where your voice is, your voice ready, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. no, it's not ready yet. Or, or um, so, but the the operas that Manchester
1: did were extremely ambitious. Even for, you know, experienced older people, but not experienced at performing. A lot of them had come from the Estedford platform, so they hadn't done any, apart from standing on a stage and singing an aria. Um, as far as acting and singing and watching a conductor, et cetera, et cetera, But they did the very first opera that I did when I was then. that was building the set, was Valkyrie by Val by Wagner. We did Meistersingers by Wagner. We did Lohengrin by Wagner. We did Falstaff by Verdi. Um, huge operas. Um, Capoletti Montecchi by Bellini. They're huge. I, there's no way on God's earth that I would be able to sing anything in any of those. So I was just in the chorus, really. Right.
0: So what was your...
1: You graduated from... Manchester. Well, I graduated, I left. Right. I came away with absolutely nothing, apart from five years' experience of did you
0: Did you go back and forth to Wales? Do All the like in, in that period you were at uh, Manchester, well, or did you not really compete while no, you were they, there?
1: No, they, they frowned upon it in the Aisthed If you were then taken on as... They saw you as a professional. Mm. If you'd gone to a music college, you were then considered to be professional, and the people that were competing were really amateurs. So they didn't like... The, the, the these people encroaching on that. So, so. what was your break to leave? K- Glyndebourne coming there to Manchester, saying they were coming, and I put my name on the list to be heard. And I heard, got heard, and I received a letter to say that they'd what like to you give, sing. What did you sing? Basilio's aria from The Marriage of Figaro and Valletta's aria from The Coronation of Poppea by Monteverdi.
0: So were they your sort of golden audition pieces? Were well, they I one... Was,
1: I was going to a singing teacher then called Vera Roja. Um, she'd never taught a tenor before, and I wanted to go and have singing lessons with her because she was just fantastic.
0: Did they match you with a singing teacher that they thought well, would work for you? Well, William, after William died, you see, very
1: suddenly. But they were going to match me with somebody that I really didn't think was, was suitable. right for you. No, absolutely. And I went to hear this Vera Roja doing a, a lunchtime recital and watching her work because she's Hungarian. She came over to this country in the in 1956, the Budapest rising time, Hungary, Hungary rising. What? And she'd spent a lot of time in like camps, not uh, British, um, uh, what do you call them? Prisoner of War type camp. So it affected her breathing terribly. But she'd really had to work on her frame to support it. So I watched this and I thought, that's what I need to support. You know, that's really good. So I asked her if she would teach me. And she said, well, darling, I've, I've never, never taught a tenor. But she said, you're young. We can learn together. And that's what we did. And she was brilliant. Absolutely marvellous. But she used to pick really interesting pieces to do for auditions. Stuff that you wouldn't normally think about. But it showed the voice off and that's all you needed. And she chose pieces for me to do for Glyndebourne that Glyndebourne Opera would put on. They'd always do a Marriage of Figaro. They would always do a Monteverdi piece. So
0: her knowledge of the industry was really helpful in Absolutely. terms of guiding you in your rep. Absolutely. What pieces to avoid, yeah. what pieces to do. That's right, yeah. So you did an audition for Glyndebourne yeah. at Manchester. At Manchester. And, and,
1: and I received uh, a letter.
0: What are they like? What are... Are those uh, type of auditions like the No Bra not- right. because it's very much them and you. Is it a, a a big panel? 3
1: possibly people maximum. Uh you get your your in-house conductor, you get your production administrator and your company manager. That's all that would be there. Right. Or and there'd be a repetitor and accompanist from the com- the company as well who would put in their six pennyworth.
0: And this is to join the company, yes. not to to do a production it's to join the, to the, be com- in the company the, let's say the 2020 company that's right and within there you get cast that's in right. roles or uh,
1: Glyndebourne do five operas in a in a season in the festival and then they do three or four operas that go out on tour and some of those operas in the season are, are televised um, but yes, I received a letter to say, thank you very much for coming to sing. We'd like to hear you again in London this time. Now, my head was like in the clouds thinking, oh, my God, I had done such a brilliant audition. They're going to give me the earth. Because everybody said to me in Manchester, Glyndebourne will really suit you. Well, why was that?
0: Why, why was that? Why, because why? of
1: my physique, my youth, because I was so much younger was than it the did, others. Was it, it, was a, it was a young uh, oh, company. Oh, so a very young company. Right. They're all undergraduates, postgraduates, uh, coming from companies. Uh, from, Still? T- yes, absolutely, to this day. They take young singers, put them on the the path to having careers, but they're all taken from music colleges. Right. So um, there's me thinking that I had done, you know, Brent, I had to go down, down to London to Morley College, hideous place to sing, and Jean Mallendane, who was the repetitor working that day, said to me now, she said, They weren't terribly happy with you. They want to hear you again. Are you going to sing the same pieces? I said, yeah, right, fine. Well, this time, just remember. And I thought, this is really good to go in. Did she give you any sort of hints of what they didn't like? No, nothing at all. She just said they weren't terribly happy. What? With what? But she said, just go in there and sell yourself a bit more which is what I did, and I came out and she said, that was much better. Then I received another letter to say I was on a reserve list because obviously they'd taken people for the next season, This was 1972, Um, and you put on this reserve list. Now, being a tenor, there's always a chance that there's going to be an opening, better than, say, a soprano or a baritone. Right. But a tenor's, mezzo's and those sort of voices are always a bit more available for jobs. Um, what, because
0: there's more roles for It's those? just
1: there's not that, that many people out there that are probably good enough. Right. You know, you need to have a certain standard to... An um, arranger, I suppose. Uh, exactly. So uh, the third letter came to say that I was in the uh, chorus of Macbeth, which was one of the productions they were doing that year by Verdi. And another letter the following week to say I was in all the operas. Of all the operas they were doing that season, plus the tour, plus two television operas. So you went and from
0: the reserve list yes. to only doing Macbeth. Yes. Then to doing all the productions. All the productions, plus right. the tour. Plus the tour. Plus the television recordings, right. plus the proms.
1: So somebody dropped out. Somebody had dropped out good and proper. Do you know who it was? I have no idea. Well, I cheers never. cheers to them. Yes, exactly. I never wanted to know Bach. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just so... I was so lucky. But you see, my perseverance was absolutely playing a very important part in this because i wasn't going to put off
0: yeah and i think obviously as i've gotten to know you over the last few years perseverance is something that tends to come up in different scenarios in your life mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. it's one of those qualities and the reason why we're doing these podcasts really is to is to hopefully show that everybody has to have that instinct mm-hmm. and that um, quality mm. to be able mm. to maintain and also overcome hurdles yes, like exactly. the fact that to get a knockback before you enter a room in terms of they weren't happy with mm. you, I probably would have gone to absolute pieces mm-hmm. and probably would have done a worst audition. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. but I think to be able to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, go in there mm. and give it. But you see, I think that's where the I platform helped
1: enormously, because right. one day... All the way back when you were five. Absolutely, when you were five. You know, you can go... And I went to my stilvets, the length and breadth of Wales. My father didn't think twice about taking me anywhere to sing. And some, we, some adjudicators really liked my voice and gave me first prize. Others were not that keen, and I didn't win. You have to learn to take rejection.
0: Mm. You know what I mean? Well, I do, yeah. Well, obviously, I being Welsh, I've done my fair share of... Ice in all in all capacities, piano playing, and I, you know, I was I'm literally like Les Dawson, but I thought I was, <laughs> you know, amazing, like Liberace. All right, but um, I did find that the Ice you know, you've got some really. Pushy parents on the side, oh, yeah. and you go, oh, they are, they are, they're Absolutely. really getting in there, and they're giving it up. You know, and you know, beans.
1: in the days when I was doing it, so many people, the competition was huge because you know there was no other entertainment really. Concerts, cinema, possibly yes, but I said were the main thing, and they used to go on. They'd start at ten o'clock in the morning. They'd still be on. some of the I said the choirs are still doing it at midnight. They're huge. And when you walked into the prelim, which are normally held in a chapel somewhere, and you can see all these parents sitting there with their kids, and you'd think, oh, you know. And my mother and father just would sit at the back. They never went into the middle or no, sat but, in the like, front. And, like,
0: yeah, like my oh, parents.
1: Right at the back. And if you can't see me, that's all the better. Hmm. And my
0: mother would usually say something like, oh, you weren't very good then. <laughs> You, you were, yeah, you know. Actually, you,
1: you mentioned playing the piano. When my voice broke, because I, I, when I was about um, 13 or 14, I did an Estetwood in Carmarthen, and is a very, very famous uh, soprano, Isabel Bailey, of my mother's era, who used to do huge concerts. She was wonderful. With Kathleen Ferrer, she and Kathleen Ferrer did duets together. And Roy Bahana, who was the head of um, the Welsh Music, Welsh Arts Council in Cardiff, they were adjudicating. And um, they called me over after I'd sung. And they said, no, we've got to tell you something now, but you're not to tell anybody else. But you're going to win this competition. And you've got to promise us that you'll never sing another note as a boy soprano because your voice is beginning to show signs of breaking.
0: Mm.
1: And so I did. I stopped singing totally. Um, And I took, I did the piano instead. I competed doing the piano. Just to you keep me. Yeah, I won some, yes. In fact, I won a couple of competitions because I was far less ambitious than anybody else and I played something like Fury Elise by Beethoven. Right. Um, and one of the adjudicators said, you see, he's chosen a piece that he actually can play, hmm. whereas some of them were playing Schubert's Impromptu, which is a beautiful piece of music, but it's really difficult. I tried to learn to play it, but I was missing half the notes out. Right. So, you know, I did do competing in piano when I wasn't singing.
0: So you do think that the ice death would certainly give you perseverance to just, you know, next weekend it's in somewhere else, let's go, let's Absolutely. see what happens. Definitely. I mean, were you singing different pieces or all the time? Right. So Cuz you're exercising your rep all the time. All the time, it's, time. it's kind and of like a stuff a, a free Uh, rep session, that you have to learn a new piece. They don't provide pieces, right? They don't say, well, the pieces for this competition is X, Y, Z. What they do is
1: they put in the programme, the competition piece is this. It's a chosen piece. For instance, Ospi of which is by Guno, it's actually from the opera Faust. It's one of the arias. But that was one of my favourite pieces. Now, if it was an own selection... I'd either sing that or a piece called Sei Who Borrow, which is a uh, voice Sapete. It's Carubino's aria from uh, Figaro. But I had my favourite pieces, but mo- mainly they were chosen. So you had to learn them. And there was one competition I did. They chose My Mother Bids Me Bind My Hair. It was under 18. And that was the chosen piece. And I thought, well, if that's the chosen piece, I'm going to sing it. And a couple of girls that were actually thinking, he's never going to sing this. And I, did, I didn't win. What, was
0: it high? Was no, it a, it's just that my it,
1: mother bids me by oh, right. my hair with... It's a girl's song. Right. But they chose it thinking there probably
0: wouldn't be any boys competing. Right. There was. Me. You. So, obviously, you got into Glyndebourne. Mm-hmm. You started the season with Macbeth. Mm-hmm. So, what is that like? So, you, you, you leave Manchester without graduating... Absolutely, I didn't So was that something, were they supportive of that? Who? The college? Were your parents, did your parents say
1: My parents didn't realise, they didn't understand they didn't, right. I mean as far as they were concerned
0: I had you been in college a,
1: for five years Earning money? earning. Well I hadn't earned anything while I was in college no, were they, Actually they were paying for me as well Because I was always short of money They were always sending me money in the post um, But then I said I got into Glyndebourne Which was a paid job Sigh of relief, Hmm. you Hmm. know.
0: So what was the early days at Glyndebourne like? It was absolutely amazing. Who was directing Macbeth?
1: Uh, Oh, a a, a Russian director called Michael Hadjomischief. He did that and he did um, The Queen of Spades there. He did Onyegin there. Wonderful man. Were you
0: aware of him as a director? I didn't know
1: of him before. No, not at all.
0: The only director
1: I really knew there... Was um, Peter Hall, obviously, because he was doing
0: opera there. Did he direct a lot of the productions that you did early on? Yes, yes, he did Ulysses,
1: Callisto, Figaro.
0: Was that in the first year? No, several years. Several years on. Yeah, yeah. So what was, you did Macbeth, what were you doing in Macbeth? Chorus. Right, so for people who don't know, what's, what, what, let's give the definition of what the chorus is and what, what does that mean? Right, so... In this
1: particular opera, Macbeth, it's a big opera and it needs a big chorus of singers. So I was one of 46 people. So say there'd be 12 tenors, 12 baritones, 12 mezzos, 12 sopranos, but it needs a big chorus. It's a huge opera to do. Um, but that's what I was. I was one of 46 and people. You're on stage? Yes, absolutely. You
0: doing, when you say chorus, are you a character? Are you... Are, well, are you one of the witches? Are you? Are you a chorus of witches, or you a chorus of soldiers? Are you? What, what are? What were? What? Well, we were more yes, soldiers in Macbeth,
1: but we were also courtesans right. as well. Susan, my wife, who she was also Susanna Ross. She worked under the name Susanna Ross. She worked at Glyndebourne as well. We were students together. We got married in 1972, the year we went to Glyndebourne. 1972 so was a very important. were students in Manchester year. together. Yes, yes, we met. So you there. met
0: right, mm. and you. Your first job was together at Glyndebourne.
1: Well, yeah, well Susan, Susan won two major competitions so put to go to the Opera m- Centre and oh. put it on the map. Absolutely, is that
0: and Opera Centre, not it, National Opera Studio? That's now? What,
1: That's what it was then. Right.
0: Uh, and then she went
1: to Glyndebourne in 1971 just to do The Queen of Spades with Michael of directing. So she did a year before me there. But then we both went to do Macbeth in '72. And you were both in the chorus. And we were both in the chorus. She right. was one of the witches. All right, I see. With Damey Bryn Jones, so you can do no, no, not Damey Bryn Jones. What was his name? Don't not who played, who
0: played Macbeth? Yeah, he played Macbeth. He was a Welsh singer. I can't remember. Were there his a name. lot of Welsh singers at Glamorgan when you started? Oh yes, there were, a I mean lot. there
1: were a lot of Welsh people coming from the the London colleges as well. You know, not everybody went to Manchester. They all went to the Royal College, the Academy. Uh, there was people from Scottish um, Academy as well coming down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some from Welsh... Actually, not that many from from the College in Wales, I must say. They were mainly from
0: right. London colleges. So, you're in the chorus. Are you in the chorus for all the productions you did in the first year? Uh, there was only one opera that didn't require a
1: chorus, and that was Ariadne Naxos, by so, Strauss. What, so, what did you do then? Nothing. You I wasn't doing that. Right. It was a
0: freebie. So, when you get into the <laughs> chorus... Are you then? Do you then have ambitions to go right? I now need to get to the next level mm-hmm. in terms of you know how they how it works. So what is the what is the next level right. in terms so of chorus? My
1: first year was just doing the chorus. I wasn't doing any covering or anything at all. I was just in the operas that I was supposed but to be. But learning a
0: lot, right? Oh, You're in the rehearsal the room all the time, all the time, watching. Absolutely, mm. and the rehearsal facilities at Glyndebourne are just fantastic. Do you get? Do you still get singing lessons? Do you have singing Absolutely. lessons?
1: one to one. One to one, but not at Limeburn. I had to come up to London. For oh, those. you have to pay for yeah, those I'm yourself. I'm still going
0: to Vera Rosa for those. Right, they don't. They don't have any sort of like a a training ground to. No, nothing. You're, on your own. Right. you're on your own. You're on so your own. you if you're give, any money and you you're paying for your own lessons. So if they if they give you an opera in a language that you you want. Mm-hmm. Familiar, with. familiar with what happens then
1: well we got very good training in Manchester of Italian French and German right so, so I pretty... had a grounding right. before I went there but then you do have very good coaches at Glyndebourne who teach you as a chorus they don't teach you one a one-to-one it's as a chorus so for instance doing Macbeth you go through it with Ubaldo Gardini was the Italian coach you do it all with him um, and then when we did Russian, of course, I hadn't done Russian in Manchester. That was a new one, but it was all done phonetically, so it's very easy to pick up. You just imagine you're North right? You talk like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you, um, so your chorus. When was the sort of shift for you in terms of? Glenmore? Well,
1: once you've done, once you've done your first year chorus, there's a chance to audition. Again, for them, because you don't automatically go in year, 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 year. You have to audition every year. And depending on. So what your contract
0: t- is only for that only season? Only for that
1: season. Tour, television, prom. And then it comes to an end. Was
0: the money good?
1: No, terrible. I mean, seriously, we're all young singers coming from colleges. It's the first money we're earning. So they know that they've got us. Cheap, But that's not what we do it for. You go to Glyndebourne because the preparation, the costumes, the sets are all amazing. And you're in this beautiful Elizabethan house with an opera house attached to it in the middle of the Sussex countryside. It's idyllic.
0: I've I've never been, but I've always wanted to go. It's idyllic.
1: Absolutely. Um, so then you, whatever the, the operas they're doing next year, uh, next season, they announce those towards the end. You can see if there's something that you'd like to be considered for, not necessarily for a part, because they like to get those people from outside and a lot of foreign artists come over to, to Glyndebourne, um, but for understudying. Purposes, Or like we did one opera called um, Capriccio by Strauss. Beautiful opera. And there's lots of lackeys in it. And they all have solo lines. So that was one thing to go for. And I got one of those and we, it was recorded for BBC. Uh, another opera we did was The Visit of the Old Lady by von Eindem. Now, the first year, I understudied the part of the sun in it. The second year we did it,
0: I did the part. So... Mm. That was in my third year there. So, if you are in the chorus, do you do you understudy as well? Yes. Yes. So it's no different to what we do at Phantom now, where we're in the ensemble. It's called, but we understudy some of the bigger roles. So, were you understudying anything in your first year? Um,
1: Yes, I was understudying the Sun. In? Uh, in the, not in the first year, no. The, sorry, the first year it wasn't. It was, I can't remember, it was 1973, I think we did um, The Visitor of the Old Lady. Right. So I and that was the boy. your first understudy yes, position. Yes, that's right. So you get understudy rehearsals. Not many, I hasten to add. You're expected to go out and watch. That's, that was the rule of the day there. And then they were doing that opera the next year, and they offered me the, the, the part
0: in it, yeah. So there was a sort of slight progression. Did yeah. they... Are they helpful? Do they come to you saying, Philip, you should maybe be looking to, you know, understudy this role or do this, and yeah. give you a slight hint along the way? Sometimes, when they've got, because they've they've watched you for your first
1: year, they've watched, they've heard you at your audition. They know that you're a tenor. They know what your voice is capable of doing. They then watch you in rehearsal as the chorus, see how you work with other people, because it's all teamwork, to see if you've got that. Thing that you can meld into things or that you stand out for doing something. You know, they're watching you all the time. So then they will come and say, look, we're doing this next year. We'd like to see if you'd be interested in auditioning for it. They don't just offer it to you, the audition for
0: it. So what was it like going from the chorus to be in the understudy and then when they revised that production the following year to be playing the role is it a big role is it no a- it wasn't a
1: big role but it was a great role I had to, I had to drive a car off stage Right. it was a, it was a Ford Escort because what the, the opera story is it's a very down at heel town German town and this woman comes back and she pours money into it Absolutely, poor somebody. It's it's the visit of the old lady, and she's very, very rich. And we all become really affluent. I think they've
0: just doing a play version of it at the National now, right. called The Visit. Yeah, probably. Um, and this sounds news, familiar. Yeah,
1: it's a brilliant. I loved the opera, and the son is able to buy a car, so he drives the car on <laughs> one night. I put the hazard lights on as well. Fl- <laughs> I went off in a flash. It was. A flash <laughs> you am drawing attention. Yes, to absolutely. Yourself. I had to reverse it
0: off as well. Down this ramp. <laughs> So you did that. Um, Do, can you remember, uh, critics come in to review the productions, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Was there, can you remember if anyone wrote anything specific about you? I never did anything
1: that was worthy of a critic pointing
0: out because
1: things were so small that I did, you would never sort of mention it, really.
0: So how many years did you do at Glyndebourne? Six. Six years. Mm. What was the biggest role you played
1: well, probably the son in the, the visit sun. of the Lady. Because after that, you know, they used to have a saying at but that three years was the maximum you should do. Then you should go away and to do something company. else and do something else. Um, we had decided we liked living down here. We got married. Uh, we had got any family. But we were married. And we just liked living here. I, I found this the... Um, the country air down here, much healthier than I did when I was up in Manchester, because Manchester was also so smoggy, having come from Wales to clean air in Wales to that back down to Sussex, feeling healthy again, so we decided to to stay here, but they did offer me another three years after the the three temporary years of the at the beginning and you stayed I stayed, yeah, yeah, and doing similar work it it got to the point where it was only chorus stuff. I wasn't getting the opportunity you get to do anything. To no, they were keeping the those roles. for new people coming in. It's the carrot to dangle people in, you know. Did you find that frustrating? A little bit, but then Susan's career was on the up. and So do was this Susan,
0: Susan doing uh, more leading roles?
1: Yes, because she'd got a contract at Covent Garden as well, and Scottish Opera. So she was doing a lot, and she'd been to Wexford. Um, and you know, we were doing this as a team. Mm. It wasn't her and me. You, did,
0: you didn't feel like you were competing against. Oh so no, not never, at, not never. at all.
1: We've always had, we've always had joint bank
0: accounts. everything has right. gone into one firm. So you celebrate each other's victories yeah, exactly. and successes, and exactly. well, that's healthy, isn't yeah, it? Because they do say that two actors or two singers should never get no. married together. Well,
1: we we had a completely different outlook on it. Right. And as far as we were concerned, if she was getting the work, that was brilliant. That was, I was, good, just, for, that
0: was good for the both of you. Absolutely. For, the, for absolutely. you and building But them.
1: I was working with other companies as well during Glyman. I worked for Kent Opera, Dublin Grand Opera Company, the new opera. I did other things.
0: So what was... Um what was it like? What were other companies like compared to Glyndebourne? Oh, they were. I mean, Kent Opera was lovely. I mean, I did
1: some nice work with Kent Opera. So some what good did parts. Is Ke-
0: Kent Opera doesn't? It doesn't function anymore, right.
1: unfortunately. So what, where did they perform? The Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury. Right. The Assembly Rooms in Tunbridge Wells. Uh, the Congress Theatre in Eastbourne, it was all Kent, Sussex based, but they did really, really good productions. Roger Norrington was their number one conductor and a guy called Norman Platt started the company. But Jonathan Miller directed for them. Um, we did a few productions with Jonathan.
0: They were wonderful. I loved it. So obviously we've discussed this before, but be- you, you arrived at a crossroads mm-hmm. in your career sort of bridging between the opera work that you were doing and then moving into musical theatre, or at the time you used to say commercial, commercial. theatre. Mm. Who advised you that that right. would maybe be the better option for you?
1: Well, as I say, I got to my sixth year, and, you know, you could... I was just going in and doing it. It became a job. It became a job, exactly. And uh, one of the directors there, he was the head of productions, there's a guy called John Cox. And he'd done several productions that I'd done. In fact, he did the Capriccio that I did one of the lackeys in. And um, it was televised, as I say. And he was just a wonderful conductor. He did Rake's Progress. He did masses of stuff. Because he... And he... We had a, a courtyard at Glyndebourne where we used to eat and we'd have coffee and all the rest of it in a beautiful courtyard and he came in one, and he was a very erect man you'd already been a dancer and as he passed my table he said I need to talk to you and I thought you know you immediately think oh god what have I done now mm. and I, he'd never actually given me any sort of telling off he could be absolutely cutting I've seen him absolutely delve into people uh, so did you have
0: a relationship with him or yeah yeah what? absolutely you did. I mean
1: he used to work well with me or I worked well with him he always used to use me for things because he just liked what I did um, and so when he said that to me I was a bit sort of oh god what have I done um, so I saw him and he said come on we need to have a chat he said look he said I think you're wasting your time doing this he said I think you should do commercial theatre and I was completely oh my god It it deflated me completely. And I said, but I don't know anybody in commercial theatre. He said, no, no, no. What I'm going to do is, if you are prepared to take the chance, I'll introduce you to somebody that will help you along the way.
0: Right. So he was essentially saying you're not going to have the sort of career or the roles or the path that you want in opera, Mm -hmm. but you may have... Uh, an opportunity to play bigger roles in musical theatre. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because you see, I I I am a
0: realist. I've always been a realist, and I
1: knew, having been at Glamour for six years, and I'd listened to these tenors singing the roles that I would dearly love to sing, and I just knew, I knew that it was never going to happen because my voice is not big enough, strong enough, whatever. So I at don't that have time, the range. They
0: wanted uh, really. Would you say you've had a, you've got a light? Yes, lighter tenor yes,
1: because there's there's, um, there's the lyric tenor voice, which is the sort of the lead roles, but then there's what's known as the compromario roles, which is Basilio, Curzio, Monostatos. So they are the
0: roles that you could have done.
1: Yes, but I wasn't prepared. You did, no, you didn't I want to do no, those roles. I wasn't interested in them. Right. I have done them, but I've, and having done them, I know what they're like, no, thank you very much. Uh, I did Monostatos and Basilio for Kent Opera, so I had a good chance to get to grips with the part. With the roles
0: that you... Probably would be playing but yes, you you no. just you were always were you always hankering after the
1: other yes, roles? Always. I always I covered them. I covered the lead roles, but I wish to God that I never had to go on because I knew it wouldn't be good for right. me or the role. Right. So um John Cox gave me the name of an agent, Marette Morvan from Fraser and Dunlop, a big agency on Regent Street in London. And he said, Now I want you to contact her and I want you to tell her that I have sent you to her and to see what she can do. So I rang her from the telephone straight away. Yeah. I thought I'm not There's wasting any time. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't going to waste any time. So I rang her and I suppose she was a very nice, charming lady on the phone, very businesslike, very experienced. And she said so I told her about myself. I said I'm Welsh, I'm dark, I'm a tenor. Right, darling, she said. So would you be free to go to New York to do Freddie in My Fair Lady with um Richard Harris? No. Rex Harris, Rex Harris, Rex Harrison, and I went. Really? Yes, darling. She said. I said, but you haven't seen me. So no, that's fine. If John Cox has recommended you, you'll be you'll be fine. So I said, okay, thank you. Right? Yeah. I said, I'd love to. Uh, Did you so think? I'm, My God, that's easy. Uh, yeah, Only too made one easy. phone call. I'm off to New York. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so I rang Susan as soon as I'd finished talking to her. I rang Susan, who was at home, and I said. Marette Morgan wants me to go to New York to do Freddie, my fair lady. And she said, that can't be right. <laughs> it can't be. She said, she hasn't seen you. She doesn't know you. I said, I know. She said, I think you ought to make an appointment to go and meet her at least. Go and meet her and have a chat. So I had a free day coming up or I applied for a free day, went up to London, went to the office and she opened it. It was a glass door and she came to the door and she, I could see her through it going, what? And I she said, are you Philip Griffiths? I said, yes. She said, but you're not blonde and blue-eyed. I said, I told you what I looked like on the phone. Oh, well, you won't do it at all. Oh, God, I can imagine Rex Anderson having an absolute fit if he saw me. So we sat down for three quarters of an hour, and she told me what her other clients were doing. All right. And I I could feel myself frizzling up to nothing. She then wanted me to go to South Africa to do... um. Henrik in uh, a little night music, and she said, "Do you play the cello?" I said, "No, I don't." But she said, "Well, you can, you can. You're an actor. You'll be able to fob that off won't you? somebody can play to the pit." So I said, "Okay, yes, that would be a nice part to do. I think, and not that I knew anything about it. Anyway, that all fell through because at the time there was a lot of trouble in South Africa and there mm-hmm. was apartheid, etc., right. etc. So I never got to do it. So that. were
0: you set to do it? Was it all you were going to do it? I was going to do it, but, but then it all fell then, through. Right.
1: It all just fell through because of problems over there. Mm. So that was that, and that didn't work out. So, so did
0: you sign with her? No, no,
1: no. She, she came, was just she she got me audition for Evita. Hal Prince was looking for somebody to take over the part of Magaldi in mm. Evita, and she put Were me up for Were you aware
0: of Evita and the sort of musical no. theatre scene in the West End at that time? No. no, you had no had idea, no idea at all. So when somebody said, uh, Hal Prince wants to see you for an audition, were you thinking, who's, who's Hal, Hal Prince? Prince?
1: Exactly. Exactly what
0: I was thinking. Right. So I went along to this audition, the
1: first because I did the first round for it, and they recalled me. Uh, David Caddick, who was then the musical director, and he's, you know, he's done masses of Android Lloyd Webby shows, he was actually auditioning me. And he said, right, we'll, um, we'll get you back to sing for Hal. So I told Mirette, and she said, well, I'll be there. Because I know how very well.
0: This was the agent.
1: Yes, the agent. And she said, I'll be there watching you. And they gave me on this night of a thousand stars to go away and learn. And come back. And there, was a, there was a microphone put in front of me. And I had to sing into this mic. Was
0: it easy? No, you know, it was. Is it terrific. a hard song? I mean, in terms of the rep that you had spent the last six years doing. Oh, when yeah. When you were given this... Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely, easy for it, me. Was,
1: it was a walk in the park. Right, Vocally. seriously. Vocally a walk in the park. Right. And of course, you're putting a whole different style on it as well. You're not doing the operatic sing, you're actually singing in a musical theatre type. So, were you. Vein. Did you
0: adapt to that
1: quite easily? I think so, yes. Because in those days, I mean, we're talking about 19, 1980, um, there weren't that many opera singers that were going into musical theatre.
0: Right, which sort of. Musical theatre term for sort of a slightly operatic, slightly, is a legit sound. Yes, that's right, a
1: legit sound, that's right. So they
0: weren't, is that essentially what you were? Yeah, Right. absolutely. So you did the audition in front of Hal Prince. Yes. What was he like? He was lovely. He didn't say
1: much. I mean, Hal never says to me, right, yeah, just great. Yeah. Next,
0: did he have his glasses? He on his glass head? Yes, glass on
1: the top of his head, and I could see Marette was sitting at the back. This is the Prince Edward Theatre, and it's a big theatre. And she was sitting at the back, and uh, she, it didn't go. It didn't go well because I got off. I got out with the piano. I was so nervous, uh, and I just got out with it. And David Canty said, "You, you got out there, Philip, and I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work." But anyway, thank you for, for coming to sing for us. So I saw Marette afterwards. She said, "What did you wear?" For your first audition. I said, well, I can't remember. She said, you weren't wearing the same clothes today then. I said, no, I don't think so. And she said, well, that's where you went wrong. She said, what they saw the first time, they liked. So you should have been wearing the same clothes. I said, well, I didn't know that.
0: So now... Is that I- some... Because... I- I'm, I don't know where that superstition came for me, but if I go into an audition, I have to wear exactly the same thing down to the same socks, absolutely. Uh, same shoes, yeah. everything. Yeah, because absolutely. I think if I come in in something that doesn't make me look slim or, uh, you know, same, I, I just think or I'll instantly go to, I should have worn the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, so that, is that something you adopted in other auditions? Ever since, right? Ever the since, same and, and I've passed
1: that on. When I've the teaching I've done, I've always t- t- passed it on to other people. Whatever you take, but you must look right that first audition. You just don't stick any old thing on. You've got to look at what you're auditioning for. Go with an idea of that they can see something. Would and you wear could...
0: something that slightly inspires the character?
1: Yes, you would. Yeah,
0: I mean. A lot of the
1: time, a white shirt and dark trousers works very well because it's it's a blank canvas. But sometimes, if you were going, for instance, when I went for Anything Goes, which is a very periody piece, collar and tie, right, and perhaps a waistcoat, mm. but anything to make it look because that's what your costume will be like when you're doing the show.
0: Mm. So you so, Evita, what
1: happened? Well, I didn't get it. Um, was this the
0: first year that it opened? Yes. So this was. It hadn't opened yet. It, well, it, it, it
1: had been going for about six months, I think. Right.
0: Um, and of
1: course, so the, this was the second cast. Yeah, whoever was engaged didn't want to do any longer. They'd done enough. They'd done the the album. They'd done as much as they were going to do and got the fame out of it. So they were going to move on to other things. Right. Um, which was a guy called Matt Mark Mark Ryan, I think his name was. Anyway, um, so, so did I didn't you get, get it. an
0: agent? Well,
1: Eventually. I had to shop around. I went into I looked in the stage.
0: Why the didn't end. you sign with the other agent? Did you just too big. think too big? Too big. You were just a number. Absolutely.
1: And it so was quite obvious that did you work that out
0: or did somebody advise no, you? No, I not? worked it out. I worked it out.
1: I mean I didn't want them to be rude to me. I thought I'm gonna back out of here while I've I'm still got can hold my head up high. Um but then I looked in the stage, and there was this woman called um, Mildred Challenger of the Encore Agency. She was advertising in there. And I thought, hmm. And it was, a re- it was in Denmark Street, up a grutty pair of stairs. But she took me on, and she worked really hard. I mean, she started, the, the minute I went in that room, she was making phone calls. And she rang down to a guy called Barry Stacy, who did pantomimes everywhere. And she said she fixed an audition up, just like that.
0: And we, you know, you just done six years at Climbborn. The roles that you wanted didn't quite work out. Were you picky or was it just a case of, I will do anything right now just to experience this side of the industry? Absolutely. Because to go from, you know, Pantos are obviously big business, but not something that you. Probably you probably are aware of pantomimes, but never been in one. I've They're never been. Different, never seen one, or you've never seen no, one. Far no, far different from doing a production of Glyndebourne mm-hmm. of Macbeth oh, or absolutely or, or I or, mean
1: this this audition <laughs> for my first pantomime for so Barry Stacey. So was this Stacey. your first
0: job? In in musical theatre, yes. or commercial theatre, absolutely. Was the I, was, I was still
1: I was still at Glyndebourne while I'm doing all this. What? This is still happening while I'm there because I wanted the two. I wanted I didn't want to go be unemployed, so I wanted to to, to overlap. Did you talk openly about? With I didn't people tell at anybody. Klein, you didn't no, tell anybody. No, absolutely. I learned my lesson. I don't talk about it at all. What? I just go and do it when I've got it. Then I'll talk about what? it. But this audition. It was in the um the Concert Artists Association and I arrived at the place and there were hundreds of people. And no no um organization at all, apart from one poor guy with a clipboard. So I went up and I said, I'm Philip Griffiths He said, Oh yeah, yeah, okay. You just hang on really. Just hang on so I eventually got in and I sang on this night of a thousand stars which is from Avita did that become
0: your golden audition piece it was my
1: audition piece exactly (laughs) I loved it because it was great for the voice it really suited me and I got inside and there were several tables with about three or four or five people sitting around them and this one guy going from table to table talking to everyone I thought what on earth is going on and he had to stand on this stage which is a real amateur type stage if you imagine with drapes and things and all the rest of it um, and while I was singing, he was walking around talking to people. I thought this is incredibly rude. Anyway, I finished, and they said, "Thank you very much. Could you just go and wait outside? We'll somebody come and talk to you in a minute." So somebody came out and said, "Actually, can you hang on because um, they want you to read with one of the girls that has been auditioning? They'd like to see you two read together." So they gave me some script. And I met um, whatever her name was, Maggie, and we uh, read it together and we went in together and it was a great laugh. Um, and I said, can you explain to me what is going on in there? What are these teams? Oh, those are the different pantomimes around the country that Barry is fixing. So they're all the different production teams and they're bidding for you. So, oh, somebody will say, Yeah, we'd really like him as our principal. Because not everybody had a boy playing principal boy. They'd like girls doing it. But in this So, particular- that's
0: what the walking around was yes, all about. he was
1: just trying to find out who would like mm. me as their principal boy. And the people said, No, we're going to have a girl doing it. We're going to have two girls. We're going to keep to tradition. But some like to be adventurous. We'll have a guy doing it. So, I went off to New Brighton and the, the floral pavilion to do um, Puss in Boots. And I was Colin in puss in boots my first pantomime it was absolutely fantastic <music>